The Tales from the Jungle Cruise podcast is an oral history of the Jungle Cruise skippers who have worked at the Jungle Cruise attraction at the Disney parks from 1955 to today. It is not endorsed, affiliated, sanctioned, acknowledged, blessed, funded, or approved by the Disney Company. Any opinions expressed are the opinions of the host and guests and do not represent in any way the Disney Company. Make sure you stop by the Jungle Cruise and see their new docks, now with 37% more wood. Yep, that's what you waited five months for. More wood. Another story, there's a, uh, I can't remember who was involved in this, but kind of taking the term deadhead to the next level was there'd be like two, three, four of us that would go out there on a deadhead. Um, and a lot of times during, you know, during the, the daylight when you know, the, the ride was fairly busy and we would um, get to the front side of water and we would play dead. And we, you know, drape ourselves over the cushions and, you know, the gun in the hand and stuff and pretend like we sure. were dead, etc. And then it, it, it just kept kind of snowballing from there because we had at one point in time, there were four of us on the ride. One was laying with the bow of the boat with the gun in his hand. One was hanging over the side. Um, I would be up on at the top of the canopy. And uh, at that time, we had the seat cushions that went into the doorway. Right, right. Okay, the ones that didn't have any sort of uh, framework to it. Mm-hmm. We'd take those two and set them across from the middle seat cushion to the edge. Mm-hmm. And I would be up on the canopy, and when a boat would pass by, I would actually fall off the roof and let those two cushions kind of, you know, break my fall as I hit the floor. And then, and then I think it was Jerry York. I think it was Jerry um, was actually um, had his his ankle tangled up in a rope hung from the canopy over the side of the boat and was underwater up to his waist. So it was just his legs sticking out of the water. And he had this chunk of garden hose that he ran through his costume down his pants, and he was actually breathing through this garden hose through his pants as these boats would come by. And there would it, and so we had this entire like scenario that was happening on the backside oh. of water. And the boats would come around, and they would stop, and they would see how long that person could hold their breath oh. while they was underwater. And she was there just you know using this hose to breathe through. And, oh. and you know I. After the after the indie uh, transition, they changed the dye in the water, and uh, I I don't I would not want to be in the water for more than a second if I had to be if I fell in on the the crossover stones because mm-hmm. I mean it's now it's like instant tetanus shot if you're in the water for more than twenty seconds I mean it's so bad with the duck uh, you know the plant decay and the duck I I wouldn't want to be anywhere with my head under that water under any circumstance I I have spent my fair share of time in that water yeah. Oh, I, I adore Jerry. Jerry was my Jerry was my Don Chapman, you know, because he was he was my A lead all the time that was there, and he, he is uh, besides having impeccable musical taste, uh, also just a, a totally great guy. So, um, sorry, I'm just still having that image in my head. <laughs> um, you know, we always, I mean, one of the things we get asked by email a lot, and I, I still don't know why, but we keep the, the, the conversation running as a celebrity stories. Mm-hmm. Uh, did you have any particularly memorable outings uh, or things, encounters with people that, uh, that you recall? Uh, for the Star Wars, uh, Star Tours uh, grand opening mm-hmm. party, the 60 hour party, yep. um, I had uh, Luke Skywalker on my boat, I had Mark Hamill on my mm-hmm. boat, and, uh, you know, you and he was like sitting right next to me, he and his yep. family. And what he, he had uh, ditched his escort. He didn't want to be, you know, 
treated yeah, him. That's he, a plat. He, yeah, he just he was there with his family at Disneyland. Hamill's a great day. guy. Yeah, I mean, he's just he's just a really nice guy. And so uh, you know he ditched his escort and he just he came on the ride. And of course the the other guests were like you know pointing and scratching their heads. Is that what I think it is? Mm-hmm. And so he gets in the boat. And he's sitting right next to me. And I'm like, okay, well, Luke Skywalker is sitting right next to me. What do I do? So I'm you know trying to play it cool and just do my job and go around. And he's so happy that they were taking a boat off in front of me. So I'm stopped at Trader Sam. So I'm like, oh. Anybody have any questions or anything? And I like, you know, looking down, anybody have any questions? And he, we, we chatted for a little bit. He wanted to know, you know, how many times a day I did this and how long I've been working there. So kind of a little mm-hmm. casual conversation. Um, so um, Robin Williams, um, of course, when he was there, he had, you know, lots of security. Yeah. Uh, he, uh, this, he and his wife and young son at the time. Um, we're heading over to Jungle Cruise, and of course, it's like you know, Robin Williams is on the way. You know, Robin Williams is you know five minutes away. Robin Williams is two minutes away, and I was a lead at the time. Of course, lead you know you don't normally get into the boat, but you know I'm trying to time this out. And here he is. He appears on the dock, and I'm like, the guy standing there, and I said, you know what, hop out. I'm going to take this trip. You know, there are some there are some prerogatives of uh, of, of management of leadership that uh, that yeah. are worth abusing. So, so I hop in the boat, and they load uh, his wife in the boat, they load his kid in the boat, and then he takes off. <laughs> and he leaves. And I'm like, uh, never mind, you can have the boat again. So um, it turns out that you know, the, the, the son was too small to go on Indy, yeah. and Robin really wanted to go on Indy, so he went on Indiana Jones while his wife and son went on JC. So <laughs> I missed that missed one. Missed it by that much. Um, Eddie Murphy, mm-hmm. uh, getting back to the kind of trickster aspect of it. Eddie Murphy uh, came on, uh, was coming on the ride. He was there in the evening. Um, I was already off, mm-hmm. uh, but I wanted to hang around. He came and he had his big old entourage and of course Disney security. They must have been, like, they filled an entire boat and I think they had to throw a couple of other people on the next boat. Um, and they're going through and I took the opportunity to go and dance with the natives as he was going through. Kind of timed it out when his boat was passing by. So, um, so those are kind of my that's your favorite yeah. little celebrity moments. Yeah. So, um, did you ever get down to uh, to Orlando? Yes. Did you? You did the Adventurers Club. Did the Adventurers Club? As was even inquired as to you know how one would get a job at the Adventurers Club. I, I one of the greatest regrets of my life is that I turned down an audition to there. I was down as a guest and, and as a skipper, mm-hmm. and uh, they actually in chatting with everyone beforehand, I got to know some of the actors, and they brought me on stage for the. Uh, the stage show at the end of it, and, mm-hmm. and I told one of the the famous old Jungle Cruise jokes that uh, I had gone to the Canary Islands, and strangely enough, there were no canaries. I didn't know that, and then uh, I ended up going to the Sandwich Islands, and uh, you know, strangely enough, there were no sandwiches there. And then I, I went to the Bikini Islands, and there were no sandwiches or canaries there. <laughs> and apparently, the delivery on that joke was was well enough received that I, I talked to the operating manager of the. Uh, Adventurers Club, and he's like, you know, we we have a park coming open, and mm-hmm. do you want to come down? And I still, to this day, regret not following that one. That would have it was three or four years before they closed. You didn't say you were next stop was the Virgin Islands. <laughs> that, that was the, that was the part of the joke that we we only did when there were other skippers in the uh, in the boats. Yeah, I can see that. Um, yeah, no, I I still to this day think that that cl- the closing of the Adventurers Club is one of the saddest yeah. things. Uh, were I to hit the lottery that I don't play, mm-hmm. uh, the money would be spent opening a, a you know a bar or something in the uh, the Anaheim area that would be, you know, friendly to skippers, shall we say? Yeah, um, yeah. It's it's 
it's funny because it's it is the 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 end result of what narrations would have been mm-hmm. had it continued was what the Adventurers Club was. Right. I mean, they really you know hit the nail on the head with the theming and the character work mm-hmm. and. Uh, you know, and f- there was no way Jungle would ever get the resources or the time or anything to make it that level, but it still was was fantastic. Um, I'm, I'm sure at some point when you get down there, the new Skipper Canteen is is also good. Um, you know, there are it, it's it's the house that Easter eggs built. There are thousands of in jokes mm-hmm. uh, from you know. Chappie having a, a call out. Jerry York has has a door. Uh, I think it's a door up there. Um, you know, a whole bunch of other skippers have things on the wall. There's a uh, big mural in this room that's devoted to the Society for Explorers and Adventurers, and it's an old map. You know, uh, 1800s type of map. Mm-hmm. You know, end of the world. There be monsters here, and there's a really ugly uh, whale fish. That's the the terrible Crocker fish labeled Crocker fish. <laughs> So I have my I have my permanent residence down there now. So that's gotta get down and, and see it and take a visit. But it is the biggest love letter to, to Jungle, and you know it's great because they actually give a little bit more backstory. And it's Alberta Falls, the daughter of Albert Falls, mm-hmm. who uh, uh, who opened up the restaurant to to make money off the skippers when they're in town, and mm-hmm. it, it's phenomenal. I think we're going in October. Um, but yeah, you, when you get down that way, I think you will, uh, you will have a moment of appreciation for what they did there. It's it's pretty amazing, and it's an ex, uh, one of the main designers is an ex skipper, who's with Imagineering now. So, um, has let's, I mean, we'll get to your end of your time there, but uh, in the time that you've had since Disney, mm-hmm. um, you know. What has been the impact? I mean, you've obviously taken your theater time with you your whole life. Mm-hmm. Did the time that you spent at Jungle? I mean, is is the way that you were and the experiences that you've had? Do they do they rest with you on a, on a daily basis? I mean, is it still part of who you are even though you're not there? I will tell you this: I am now. My occupation is I'm an elementary school teacher. Mm-hmm. I learned more about teaching working on the Jungle Cruise for 11 years than getting my teaching credential. Mm -hmm. There is not a whole lot of difference between a classroom full of 30 kids and a boatload of 30 tourists. Yep. Because you are there to entertain. Mm -hmm. And if you don't engage them, and if you don't keep their attention, if you don't throw out the occasional joke, etc., etc., then you lose your audience. Mm -hmm. That's really what education is. You've got to connect with these kids. You've got to engage these kids. And... I attribute that to the Jungle Cruise. Mm-hmm. Mm. Well, and you know, look, there is never a point in which someone says to you, oh, you know, what did you do before you were teaching? Uh, I've learned that by putting the Jungle Cruise on my resume, mm-hmm. no matter how much it doesn't belong there, uh, I will go into an interview or I'll have that on my CV and, and it will immediately be the only thing that's discussed. I mean, I will have a half an a half an hour long interview, and we'll talk about Jungle Cruise for twenty seven minutes. Uh, there, there's just this mystique about people want to know more than any other ride. Uh, you know, Jungle is the number one requested attraction at hire. Um, number two, Haunted Mansion, oddly enough. But more people want to work at the Jungle Cruise and be skippers than anywhere else in the park, which I think is a, a fantastic thing. Yeah. Uh, and it's been that way since the sixties. 
I mean, it's, it is, you know, the crown jewel of what they're doing. And I, I haven't said this in the podcast, so I will say it, as I said to you earlier, I'm hoping that the Jungle Book movie doesn't do fantastically well because I don't want to see them putting characters. Uh, although I think they, they could, you know, Python, they could put in the Scarlett Johansson Python and, you know, add a little better animatronics. But I, I don't need the entire movie to be shoehorned in right. the way they did with Pirates of the Caribbean and Johnny Depp. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's better to leave it alone. Corporate people who might be listening. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm yeah, it's, and it's, dreadfully afraid that they're going to make changes based upon the success of that movie. Yeah, I mean, that ride's been there since day one. You know, It's yep. been altered and stuff, but it's one of the very few attractions that's still there from the opening day and should probably kind of be kind of encased in that yeah. acrylic that but you can't it, touch. But to be very honest, it, even with the changes that have been made, more has stayed the same than has changed. Yes. Mm-hmm. And it's really evident when I talk to people from the, the 50s or 60s. And I, the constant joke that, I, that I, I laugh about is I'll talk to someone who worked there four or five years ago. And they'll say, yeah, when I was working there, we came up with this really fantastic joke. And it was the first time it's ever been told of the Jungle Cruise. And I'll talk to a guy in the 90s <laughs> who will tell me the exact same story. This is what we came up with. And I talked to guys who worked there in the 60s, and they said the exact same thing about the exact same joke. Mm-hmm. So uh, they're constantly reinventing the wheel, apparently, and it's it's the same wheel and the same jokes. But it's funny how every group takes ownership of it and thinks that uh, you know that it's their their baby. But really, there's not a lot that's changed about it. Um, you know, there were one of the big myths is that early on it was humorless. That's one of the things everyone has always said that at the start, they, they didn't have any funny stuff. Right. We talked to a guy who was there on the first day who told us that, uh, that they had a couple jokes ready just in case the, the boats broke down. Mm-hmm. And that they weren't told not to joke and not to have a few moments of levity, but it wasn't the entire thing. Right. It wasn't 10 minutes of stand-up comedy. It was an adventure ride with a skipper who was engaging. And sometimes engaging means a couple of jokes. Mm-hmm. Um, and as you know, the '60s and '70s came in, it was more and more and more, and they scripted it because you know the animatronics didn't look so good anymore. So I'm, I'm, I think it'll come back around. Uh, the new sound system, the the ride opens up again on May 6th. It's been closed since January for yeah. a new safety and security system for the boats for docking, uh, which will make it impossible to have someone's leg fall between the boat and the dock ever again. Which is a great. You know, give them points. Uh, but apparently, I've talked to to people who are in testing right now. <clears throat> they replaced the entire sound system in the jungle. Every speaker is brand new, and I'm told that they remastered a lot of the audio recordings, and that it's supposed to sound better than it's ever sounded. It's supposed to just be, you know, an absolute perfect uh, experience, like a you know reopening on day one. So, if you want to see what the Jungle Cruise, you know, is supposed to feel like, it's you know. That early May is going to be a great time to go and, you know, and see the the fresh coat of paint that they put on it. So it's exciting. Awesome. It's I think it's the first time since what's the last big refit? The Piranhas probably. Yeah. Where they really put in you know some money and some time into to cleaning it up. So I'm really excited to see where it's gonna. I, I'm, you're relatively close. I mean, do you go down, you know, every once in a while? Yeah, every once in a while. Uh, the last time was the last time we had the the, the reunion yeah. back in uh, June last year. Uh, it, yeah, I make it down there every about every two years or so. Yeah, that's about all you need to go anymore. If you've and once you've been there for that long, uh, I find that I might go down twice a year, and that's only because I'm I'm right there and mm. uh, have some you know ability to get in when I need to get into the park. Um, 
It's nice having connections. Sure. Um, yeah, but I, I don't, I don't feel the big need to go regularly. Like after I left in 08, like for a while I would go in like once a month. Uh, now, the crowds are too much and nothing changes. So for me, I, I don't feel the need to be haunting it, but it's still great to go. And this is going to be yeah. great to see jungle with like, said, with a fresh coat of paint on it. So, right. um, so your pathway takes you, we'll go back to the middle of it. So you've got narrations has, has wrapped up, you know, it's, uh, not quite, I guess, 10 years, like eight or nine years since you've been there. Um, where did, after narrations, where did your role in the park take you? Like, what was your, what did you do after narrations? Uh, stay on Jungle Cruise. Yeah. Um, you know, of course, it wasn't quite as fun, but yeah. you know, I still... It's, 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 tough when they, it's tough yeah. when they take away your toys. Yeah. Because um, I, I think I think you know where this this part of this is leading is the direction of toward toward the end of your time at Disney. Um, um, yeah, it was. Uh, I had a, a young family at the time, two young kids, two mm-hmm. years old and six years old, and uh, we're just kind of deciding that Orange County wasn't really a place I wanted to raise my kids. Mm-hmm. Um, I was born and raised in the Central Coast in San Luis Obispo, and uh, so my wife got a job as a teacher. She's a teacher, also got a job mm-hmm. as a teacher up here, and. Um, and that was summer of 96 and uh, yeah so I started to kind of make a transition out the door of Disney and um, burned a few bridges on my way out the door and I mean do you, did you you know once again anything that gets into the too personal realm I'll edit it but I mean did did the end of narrations was it did you do is it personal i mean did you feel like did you have a little hurt about the way that it ended because yeah. I, I heard oh, yeah. that it was some real rough yeah um yeah, because it was it was almost like you know tuesday narrations is up and running doing fine everyone's having a great time and then wednesday it's like no you gotta stop doing that no mm-hmm. we're done did they i mean did they was it a hammer coming down or did they give any was there any sense of what was going to happen, and did they give you any any background behind the decision? Um, yeah, it came down to the numbers, and our um, supervisor at the time, who I will not mention by name, okay. he, um, he he was the person who was kind of there from the beginning of narrations, was you know leading the charge and waving the flag, and then he came down and said, uh, "No, just stop doing it. Our numbers are too low." The mm-hmm. the the pencil pushers are saying uh, we've got to increase capacity, so just just stop doing it. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, there was some there was some hurt. There was some you know we spent all this time and all this energy and all this creativity trying to create this wonderful thing, and now we're just you know, we just pulled the plug on it. Mm-hmm. It was it was more of a guillotine than it was passing peacefully yeah. in one sleep. Uh, how how long after that before you made the decision that you were going to head out? Um. I can't remember exactly when narrations kind of bit the dust. Um, the decision for me to leave wasn't really about. Oh no what no was no! I understand that. No no I understand that. I'm just kind of curious what the timing of it was. Maybe about a year year yeah. and a half after that. Yeah. yeah. By the way, if you do, if you have someone else has told me, and maybe it was, maybe it was you that they said had some of the narrations stuff on video. Yes. Uh, if you if you want, I will pay for the transfer to digital on that stuff. Okay. 
uh, and give you that back the copies for archive side. But I would love to digitize that. We're working with Jeff Rhodes. Jeff has um, a big leather-bound book that's like an oversized 11 by 17 kind mm-hmm. of thing where every jungle joke approved and approved alternatives and some not approved were handwritten. They look like monk calligraphy mm-hmm. uh, if it was, you know, 1938. Um, but, I mean, it is beautifully handwritten in there in every single joke. And it's a book like that. It's monstrous. He also has all of the jungle drums and all of the banana ball announcements and all that. So we're working on, I'll show you when we're done. I've got some on the phone. But we're working on digitizing all that and, and making an archive. So, yeah, if you have anything narrations-wise that you are willing to, to temporarily part with, I'll, I'll pay for the transfer on it. What I have is, because uh, when uh, narrations finally was up and running and was kind of making a name for itself... Uh, people from Florida were interested in, in replicating it. Mm-hmm. And so the uh, kind of in-house film crew, the video crew at Disneyland, came and videotaped. Sure. Um, it, it, essentially, what, what I have possession of is me mm-hmm. um, doing the Jungle Cruise three times, at each time doing a different character. And it's, it's their raw footage that they shot. Sure. Is that something you're looking for? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, okay. I'd love to just get a feel for the, the difference in tone and... Yeah, absolutely. I mean, anything historical. I mean, we've, um, you know, with the the Skipperette uh, Jen, who is our archivist, she does all of the content for the website mm-hmm. and for the the Facebook page. She puts up four to six historical things. I don't know how she continues finding them, but she finds home videos. She finds stills. She just put up a home a home video from '58 mm-hmm. that was shot on Kodachrome that had Italian, you know, narration on it. Someone went back later and then, you know, put in all the Italian family history on top of it. So mm-hmm. no, that she, she gets amazing stuff. So anything we can put together to archive, you know, we, we know we're not going to be the record of note for, uh, for Disney history, but as far as the, the quantity of jungle content, you know, we're definitely trying to have the biggest, you know, repository of, as opposed to the biggest suppository. That's yes. a totally different thing. Yeah, I would probably steer clear of that. Yes. Um, so, yeah. So uh, And then so just afterwards, it was it was heading toward family, and that's always an important thing, I'm told. Yeah. Yeah. So um, yeah, we moved up here in uh, August of 96, mm-hmm. so it's almost 20 years now. Yeah. Um, and It's a gorgeous area. I, mean, I, I, haven't, I don't think I've driven up on the 101 recently and definitely not during as pretty of a time of year and coming up to um uh, monterey where i shot the wedding last night oh my god the views are i mean it's mm-hmm. gorgeous gorgeous part of the, the state Shh, don't tell anybody okay we well, don't want them moving in here hey washington's great california people you should move <laughs> up there seattle's lovely uh no it's it's amazing it's funny avila beach is now doing ads on youtube on like on travel ads and they're mm-hmm. really getting aggressive um, and they're they're promoting themselves as the new, you know, high end beach resort. And it's funny, kind of you know, knowing that you know it was not always such a nice place. Uh, but yeah, they're really aggressively marketing, and it's a gorgeous, gorgeous area. Yeah. So, um, so I mean, obviously, knowing knowing you on the limited side of things that I do, I, I once the water gets in your blood, which is why you shouldn't have spent so much time in it. Right. Uh, it's very hard to get out. Um, you know, uh, 
I, there are a number of us, and it's a pretty large number, who would go and do it once a month for free just to do it. Because mm-hmm. where else can you get that experience? Yeah. Um, it's it's great seeing your character work that you do with cosplay and, and, and steampunk and things like that because I can tell, I can almost see the transition and progression from where you were at then mm-hmm. to the way that you enjoy it now. Um, you know, it's... Uh, maybe I'll find a... a we'll, talk about getting one of your cosplay pictures and put it up with it because i think a lot of the people would would maybe who aren't friends with you on facebook would uh, who but who knew you back then would enjoy you know seeing you in full regalia um but i mean is that just more of a natural extension for you from from what you came out of yeah yeah absolutely i've always you know enjoyed i'm you know i'm a natural born storyteller and i think mm-hmm. that helps not only for things like jc and cosplay but also as a teacher as well yeah um being you know uh, that's all we have the stories yeah so, um, yeah, it was certainly nothing, you know, new that I had to, like, you know, really kind of do some research on. I just kind of fell into yeah. the, the steampunk thing. And, and you know, again, I just like to do on Jungle Cruise, develop mm-hmm. characters um, and, you know, go to conventions now. And, and uh, I'm working on getting a steampunk guild up and running here in mm-hmm. San Luis County. Very cool. Uh, so, yeah, it's yeah. just it's kind of uh, all that... That um, being able to create this atmosphere and create this time period, mm-hmm. um, it becomes real natural. Have you been to the steam the steampunk ball that they have down in uh, in LA every year? No, yeah, it's gorgeous. They full Victorian style ball. I mean, it's a really crazy, uh, extravagant shindig. So yeah, so I, we don't have to. I mean, I. Once again, we can slice whatever needs to be. I mean, do you want to talk about what happened toward the end of your your gig? I've kind of been told to tread lightly on the subject. Uh, it's it's my favorite want. story. Is it? I once again, I've I've been told uh, in chatting. I've talked to a couple other people, and they've they've said that uh, well, let him tell it if he wants to, but don't press it. I mean, do you want to tell the story about what happened sure. at closing? So, yeah, I. Um when one has been at Jungle Cruise for 11 years, three months, and 20 days, mm-hmm. and one knows that that shift is the last one, one needs to be sure to make it memorable. So uh, I spent some of my time, you know, I made sure I had a, um, a RO shift mm-hmm. and um, spent some time um, either killing off the characters that I had come up with for narrations or um, somehow finding closure for them. Um, so some of them, uh, uh, the, the main character I played, Spike, um, he was killed. Um, some of the other characters, they, um, they, they went back home to, you know, England or wherever it was. Um, so I kind of got some closure to the characters and actually I had played a character on Columbia as well. Mm -hmm. Um, and at one point in time in my shift, Went, changed costume to Columbia, went to Columbia, killed off that character, came back and changed into Jungle Cruise and, and, and finished my shift so, there. So really your last day was a day of murder. Yeah. Is what, that, that was the real problem, is that there was homicide involved. Um, Multiple homicides. Well, you know, you have to have closure, right? <laughs> so, and then, so after that, you know, I was just Larry again. Um, and then it came time for my last trip ever. And um, the other skippers on the ride knew it was my last trip ever. And about half the people that were on that boat were other Jungle Cruise skippers. Mm-hmm. Some who had you know, been off for an hour or two, but they wanted to hang around to see what Larry was going to do. Mm-hmm. Um, so I took the trip, and you know, there were a couple of, uh, you know, of the grad night jokes 
mm-hmm. uh, that got incorporated in that spiel. I mean, I, I, I prefaced it by saying, "No, this is you know, this is my last time ever doing this." And uh, coming around by Trader Sam, pulling into just before the dock, and I stopped about fifteen feet short of the dock, and I told my crew, told the guests, "See all those people standing there on the dock." Two of them are there to help you out of the boat. Everybody else is there to help me out of the boat. Because I knew, this, like this might still be the tradition, you go in on your last day, you get thrown mm-hmm. in the river. Um, so I said, I'm not going to about to let that happen. So as I'm talking, I'm unbuttoning my shirt, taking my shirt, I had a t-shirt underneath, took my shoes and socks off, climbed onto the bow of the boat, mm-hmm. had one of the other skippers that was there take out the pistol and fire a shot, and I dove in and started swimming. So my goal was to, to be the first person to swim the Jungle Cruise River. Okay. So uh, off I went, and um, it was very soon I realized that that jungle actually has kind of a current to it, and not favoring me as a swimmer. <laughs> um, you know, it's, you know, it's the prop wash all kind of makes that. You know, yeah, it the, spins the, in that direction. Yeah. So so I'm kind of going against the current, and I really only made it as far as the uh, Indiana Jones queue before I said. Yeah, I'm not as young as I once was. I was on the swim team in high school, but this is not going to work. So I stopped. And, of course, you know, there at the Indiana queue, you got all the, the guests that are there standing in line for Indy. And so I just stood up there and yelled, Hey, anybody seen a boat? And, uh, you know, kind of played it up a little bit. It was my last time. It, it, I was, you know, like within 10, 15 minutes of being off at this point in time. Mm-hmm. So I was just going to play with it. Next boat comes around the corner. I flop in. So I'm dripping wet and going around. When I got to the Dancing Natives, I found, much to my surprise, I'm not exaggerating, much to my surprise, there was an inflatable raft by the Skull Canoe. And a couple of my buddies were in in the bushes yelling, Larry, 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 and pointing to the the raft. So I dove off the boat again and climbed on the raft and waving at boats as they were coming by. And then I noticed that there weren't any more boats coming by anymore and uh, so I said well something must be going on so I uh, hopped off the the raft and jumped onto the boat Mm -hmm. I'm now finding out that these boats are all backed up they're backed up through the rapids they're backed up to backside of water Mm -hmm. so I'm hopping boat to boat to boat get back to the dock again Uh, well what had happened was as I was standing in the water over at Indy and yelling at the guests that are standing in line, a supervisor from another area happened to pass by and saw me. Mm-hmm. And so she went running over to the lead on JC and said, there's something in the water, shut the ride down. Now, the lead knew it was me, the lead knew it was going on, but when a supervisor says, shut the ride down, you shut mm-hmm. the ride down. Right. So by the time I got back to the dock, still you know, dripping wet, and um, there was Gil Skarnecchia, I've never seen so many people wearing suits standing on that dock and about 15 security guards all standing mm-hmm. there waiting for me to get back. And so I got back to the dock again and Gil said, come with us. So we started heading off to security. And uh, he said, uh, so tell me what happened. At this point in time, I'm off. Mm-hmm. I'm not on the clock anymore. I'm done. So I said, Gil, it was the strangest thing. Here I was coming around the corner from my last trip and I just got really lightheaded. Gail, I must have passed out. I must have passed out and fallen in the water because I don't remember what happened after that. And he's like, uh-huh. Mm-hmm. He's not buying any of it. So, go to the locker room, 
change. They walk me to wardrobe to my costume. They walk me to security to take my ID card, and then they arrested me. Hmm. The charge being trespassing. So they put me in Disney jail. Mm-hmm. Uh, they said that Anaheim PD had been called and that uh, they were taking statements from the witnesses at that time. Um, so I was there for about a little over an hour in Disney jail while the officer was looking through the statements, etc. Meanwhile, there's a going away party for me starting at Acapulco's across the street. <laughs> and word has gotten around to these friends of mine. Some yeah. of them had, hadn't worked there for years who you know, come out for my going away party. Uh, word's getting around that Larry's been arrested. So, finally, an NMPD officer comes in and says, uh, I've read through these statements, and I'd like to get a statement from you now. Mm-hmm. So, he went into this conference room, and he said, so tell me what happened. And I said, look, I'm not going to lie to you. It's my last day here. And on the last day, you go in the river. You get thrown in. And so, I, instead of getting thrown in the river, I chose to dive in. I dove in. I tried to swim in the Jungle Cruise River. That's what I did. But, you know, compared to some of the things that I've seen people do on their last day, that's nothing. Oh, yeah. And he said, like what? And I said, well, um, there's the guy who stripped down to his underwear and uh, hung a rope from the tree on the African Isles and was swinging back and forth like Tarzan as the, as the boats came by. And this officer looked at me and said, seriously, somebody did that? And I said, <laughs> yeah. And there's the other guy, you know, stripped down to his, he had swim trunks on underneath his JC costume and he was in the, in the shower with Bertha taking a shower and the guys, you know, riding rhinos, or they're dancing with the natives, or they're laying on top of the dead zebra on the veldt, and and this Anaheim officer is going, "Yeah, what else? What else? What else? Really? Somebody did that?" And he's like getting into it. Um, and I said, "Yeah." And the most common one is, you know, you take a rubber knife out with you mm-hmm. when you get to the the hippo pool. Instead of shooting the hippos, you jump in and you stab them to death, and you climb back in the boat. You, mm-hmm. you know, and, it, and this Anaheim PD officer is just having a blast hearing all these stories. And we're there for, I don't know, 20, 25 minutes or so. And he finally said, um, okay, I think I've got enough here. Um, I will, uh, I'll fill out my report. I'll turn it in. But my recommendation is to not press charges because, you know, frankly, we don't have the time or the money to, you know, be dealing with this sort of stuff. I said, thank you. I, I really appreciate that. And, you know, we shook hands and he turned me back over to Disneyland Security Disneyland Security walked me to my car. Disneyland Security removed the parking sticker from my car. They searched my car. Mm-hmm. Make sure there's no contraband. Uh... And uh, then they said, um, don't come back. And I didn't. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I went over to the Acapulco's across the street and got a standing ovation. People buy me drinks left and right. So so I will assume then your rehire status is, is pretty nebulous. Oh, yeah. My, yeah. That, that was uh, made very clear to me as well, that I had no <laughs> rehire status. And I'm kind of curious to know, you know, 20 years later, if I went back. Yeah, if, and if they would actually know. If they, well, if they actually know, or if I said, you know, look, I worked here 20 years ago. I got arrested on my last day. Can I have my job back? Mm-hmm. What they would say. <laughs> it is, um, to, to say that... Um, I, I, that story has become legend amongst skips would kind of be an understatement. Uh, I've, I've heard it told in various versions, but never quite as complete, obviously, because you were there. Uh, so just, yeah, I hope there's a mark of pride that uh, the, the skips of not too far back of generation still tell the story and still have that as a, uh, a fond memory in the lore of the jungle. And um, the, kind of ironically, the reason that charges were pressed... Mm-hmm. Uh, was not uh, through Gil Skarnikia. It wasn't through Disney Security or anything. It was my manager who wanted to be sure that I did not come back. Mm. 
and um, it kind of backfired a bit because I, I was getting called from, calls from uh, NBC, uh, Orange County Register, KFX uh, AM yeah. wanted to interview with me, uh, Dave Koenig for Mouse Tales 2. Um, and so uh, I got a lot of kind of airtime out mm-hmm. of that and yeah. ended up you know, being in a, 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 a column in Orange County Register. A hard copy, if you remember hard copy, the TV show, mm-hmm. called me wanted to do a piece on the, they were doing a piece on how Disneyland security was you know, really heavy-handed and out of control and mm-hmm. stuff. And I said, I'm not going to do that because I, Disneyland security has always had my back. Yeah. And I've had you know belligerent guests and I've had drunk guests, et cetera, et cetera. Mm-hmm. They've always been there for me. So I'm not going to say anything about Disneyland security because they're great. Um, but, you know, so and Disneyland got a little bit of a, a black eye from the incident. Yeah. Because I, I did go on you know, KFX AM talk radio and was there for, for about an hour. As a matter of fact, they had me slotted for half an hour, and they kept bumping the guest after me and bumping the guest after me. And I it was I was there for like the entire hour. Yeah. And it was you know call in show, and everybody that called in was like, the, "Oh, Disneyland was in the wrong, and you know treating you like that after all that time." Mm-hmm. So, um, so I'm hoping that um, my former manager maybe thought twice the next time he wanted to do something along yeah. those lines. Uh, Dave's, Dave's newest book is called The People vs. Disneyland, and it is um, a history of every lawsuit that's been filed on people and every major arrest and all that. I didn't actually mm-hmm. think, to, I don't think that that's in there, but uh, it would fit with a lot of the, the content that he has in there. It's really interesting. The first lawsuit was three days after the park opened. Mm-hmm. The little girl split her head open on Autopia because they had no covering for the wheels they were bare metal for the steering wheel mm. so yeah it's it's a really interesting read so well I appreciate it I know you've got uh, plans for the afternoon um, if, if there's anyone else I mean we we do have a number of people in that era that listen so if there's anyone else that you want to give personal readings to it's up to you. I mean, your the mic is open. If there's anyone else you want to to dedicate your fond memories of your time at the jungle, oh, there, uh, there's so many people that you know have really influenced me, and that I, I still call friends, you know, through Facebook and you know visiting people. I'm probably pretty sure to leave somebody out, and I don't hurt your sure. feelings. But you know, there's a couple people that jump to mind right off the bat. Obviously, Paul Collier, Don Chapman, Jerry Whitfield, mm-hmm. Mike Gilbert. Um, uh, Matthew McNabb, mm-hmm. real close friend of mine, still close friend. Uh, Darren Ramsey, still go and visit him sometimes. So yeah, lots of lots of friendships, and you know the the, the brotherhood is pretty solid. Mm-hmm. And the brotherhood and sisterhood. It, it is um, it is a fraternity, it's a fraternity yeah. with girls. Yep. But um, the other thing that I find that's really funny is that uh, even though you and I have, have met a couple times at the reunions and such, uh, and Facebook obviously. Um, I've sat down with a guy who was 88, who worked at Disneyland on on the very first day the park was open, and he was only a skipper for a year and a half, two years, and the the camaraderie and rapport was immediate. It was just like I had sat down with a guy I knew, mm-hmm. and the same thing with Don Chapman, for example. Don and Lois, Lois still emails me out of the blue every once in a while, and you know we talk. So I mean, it's I, every generation there's an immediate. Um, identification of with people and it's it's phenomenal it's one of the reasons i've kept on doing this i mean you know year after year and money and after money that i put into it and time and all that stuff it's it's that camaraderie and that uh that sense of fellowship that's the reason i keep on doing it because it is you know that um 
that sort of a, a brotherhood. Uh, we joke that it's, you know, there's an Elks Lodge and there's a Moose Lodge. We have the logo for a Hippo Lodge that we uh, have on some T-shirts. Mm-hmm. We have someone who's offered space up in Idaho. He has a, a big uh, uh, place up there. He's like, yeah, we can just turn that into the lodge. Any skips that need to come up there can come and have vacation. So, yeah, it's, it is amazing. Um, that generation to generation, it's, it's the same uh, atmosphere of having been through something together. Uh, you know, I'm sure that the military service is the same way or anything that's, you know, uh, taxing and that you have to rely on the people you're working with. Yeah. So, yeah, and good people. I mean, there's a few in that list that we've talked to about about coming on the show. And obviously, you know, Chappie did two hours. I mean, it was an amazing chat with him. Yeah. So I'm going to re-edit it so I'm a little less less wordy. That's my only historically looking back. I go, yeah, I can re-edit that one. That's, we, we talked a little bit too loosely, but mm-hmm. I mean, his story is amazing. So, well, thank you, Larry. Um, yeah, You're welcome. That's that's good stuff. Um, I'm trying to think if there's anything. My brain gets a little loose sometimes after you know driving twelve hours in three days and shooting a wedding and doing all the other parts of this that are required. Mm-hmm. So, um, cool. Well, as to anybody else who's out there, keep on tuning in. We'll continue to expand the universe. Hopefully get some videos up online. And uh, Kungaloosh, everyone, thanks for continuing to go on the journey with us. Kungaloosh.